created, captured, rescued, respond. We were created by God out of love. We were captured by sin and turned away from him. We needed to be rescued, and so God came in the form of Jesus to die for our sins and rise on the third day. And he established a church for us to belong to, and so our job is to respond to that gift of salvation and to share it with the world. I'm so grateful and happy to be married to my wife. The day I'm recording this today is her birthday. And I don't know, it just has me reflecting on how grateful I am for this relationship, but also just making me think about some past relationships. And it reminded me, you know, I once had a girlfriend who she used to love poking me in the eyes. So I stopped seeing her. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 161. Great to be with you. Today is my wife's birthday, the day I'm recording this, not the day you're hearing it, but please pray for her and those prayers will uh, be applied to her in retrospect because God is outside of time and that would be super great. Uh, As always, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, we always start with a dad joke. Hope you enjoyed that. And please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. If you've listened to it for a while, another rating, another review also goes a long way. So please do that and please make sure you visit us on our website, Mana Food for Thought or manafft.com. And you can find all of our content on there. Uh, click on the Give button if you are interested in becoming a, a financial sponsor to this pod- podcast, a patron uh, to help cover the cost of this podcast. It does cost money, and those funds help us not only to keep this podcast going, but also to uh, lean toward new equipment, eventual merchandise, and things like that. So we're really grateful for all of you who do that. Thank you to our patrons. And lastly, uh, please share this podcast with others on social media at manafoodforthought.com or at manafoodforthought on Instagram. Uh, also, when you're on our website, click on the subscribe button and you can get our weekly newsletter. So all that being said, let us get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. My joy, uh, as I said, this uh, this past weekend, we celebrated my wife's birthday because today, the day I'm recording this, her and I are both working and it's just kind of a busy weekday. So we celebrated over the weekend. My wife was also born on her parents' wedding anniversary. And my wife's birthday being in May is always around Mother's Day. So it's like this, like usually very close to Mother's Day. So it's like a week or two weeks of like celebration, her birthday, anniversary, um, mother, all, both of our moms, her as a mother. You know, So it's just like a lot of joy in our home. So um, and a lot of great things that we were able to do together. We, Her and I got to spend the whole day together on Saturday doing fun things and going out to eat and doing an escape room and uh, seeing a movie. So it was just really great. So also what brought me joy, uh, we have a new sponsor. And thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast. So grateful for you. Uh, So grateful to know you and for all that you do and to be able to serve with you in ministry. So thank you for your generosity in becoming a patron. Uh, And let us know what you want uh, an episode about because your subscription level allows you to get your own custom episodes. So that would be a, a great thing. Uh, if you're interested in serving or in uh, uh, sponsoring the podcast, you get to pick your own episode. And I have to do it. I'm at your bequest or at your, is that a word? I think so. Uh, also, shout out to Debbie, one of our great uh, and uh, consistent listeners for all of her support, uh, for reaching out. It was great to, to chat with you. And I hope all is well with you. Uh, praying for both of you, Anne and Debbie, and all of you who listen, all of you, especially who sponsor this podcast, so grateful. Uh, so lots of things to be joyful about. My junk is, you might be able to hear it in my voice still, I've been a little sick. Uh, I've been really trying to keep it away from uh, Hannah so she can go to school and from my wife 
So she could, you know, we could celebrate this weekend. It didn't affect our babysitting. And also she's toward the end of the semester. I don't want to throw off her grading and her finals and more days off. That's just going to really, you know, you know, wreck that. So I've been sleeping on an air mattress in another room and keeping my distance from everyone. Um, so I'm feeling good. I feel fine. Um, my son got sick, but he is uh, bouncing back much faster than I did. So yeah, I've woken up a couple um, mornings with my eyes swollen, you know, from whatever this is. So, but it goes away very quickly. So it's just very bizarre. Um, so that's my junk. I'm also very distracted today. I've, uh, I sat down to record this podcast a while ago and got distracted on my phone and on my computer doing other things. So pray for me. And uh, lastly, my Jesus moment, this is going to sound odd, but uh, my Jesus moment was uh, last night, my wife and I started watching the movie Hook. And if you've never seen that movie, it is one of my all-time top five favorite movies. It's so nostalgic for me. I love it. She has never seen it. And so like being able to share that with her is just so awesome. But the reason why it's a Jesus moment is because I was kind of watching it and realizing like the story of Peter Pan, and you probably already know this, but it just kind of occurred to me, like the story of Peter Pan and like the thing with pirates, especially Captain Hook's fear of clocks, just made me realize like the analogy of time and that they're pirates because they have this very angry response toward time and growing old and they want to destroy this idea of like youth and playfulness and take themselves very seriously. And so they destroy time at the same time because they're terrified of dying. Whereas, you know, the the children, they're not afraid of those things They're because they're living in this uh, phase of like, I'm never going to grow up. Like, I'm going to be like this forever in this playful spirit. And I don't know. I just, I know that's all like kind of what the spirit of, of Peter Pan is about. But just the, the clock image just really got me. And um, how we can, we can either be slaves of time or we can... I use time as a tool to be present to the things that matter and the people that matter in our lives. And um, yeah, it just made me kind of conscious of, am I being fully present to my family, to my children, to the things God is calling me to do? Or do I get in that kind of pirate mode of like, you know, not feeling like I have enough time and getting bitter or being, you know, too serious or being too focused on, you know, like, oh, let's grow up and like, you know, be professional or, you know, take ourselves too seriously. And I just, I prefer being the playful, aloof, um, you know, like let's go have a spontaneous adventure kind of person. And sometimes I lose sight of that. So um, I had a really great conversation with someone yesterday um, just about essentially, you know, being present where you are. And, um, you know, you can travel the entire world and learn to appreciate new cultures. But what it's really meant to do is when you come home, is to help you act as though you're traveling every day. Like you have that sensitivity to people, new experiences, wanting to explore, but in the place where you're called to spend most of your life, like have that joyful sense of adventure where you are. And so I don't know if that's a word for you or if that's something that speaks to you, but it's definitely been on my heart. And so I, I share that with you. Uh, so our podcast always is on the second reading for this upcoming Sunday. This upcoming Sunday is the sixth Sunday of Easter. And our second reading, we're still in the first letter of St. Peter, Peter writing to the early church who is being heavily persecuted, trying to encourage them amidst that persecution to be reminded of all that Jesus did for them, that we are the church, um, that this isn't about any institution, it's not about, um, you know, the, the old way of doing things, it's about what Jesus did for us on the cross, and that is worth any amount of suffering. And so we need to, in today's reading, it's about always being ready, always being ready to share the good news, 
regardless of what other people will do for us, because Christ suffered for us and he only had to do it once. And in doing so, he put to death the things of the flesh and of the world so that he could be brought to life in the spirit. And the same thing is true for us. And so, um, yeah, I want to encourage you to listen to this with open ears and see how it's speaking to you uh, as we dive into this episode. So this is a reading from the first letter of St. Peter um, to the early church. This is from chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. Peter says, Beloved, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope, but do it with gentleness and reverence keeping your conscience clear, so that when you are maligned, those who defame your good conduct in Christ may themselves be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that be the will of God, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once, the righteous for the sake of the unrighteous, that he might lead you to God. Put to death in the flesh, he was brought to life in the Spirit." The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what I love about this is that um, it's this idea of always being ready. It reminded me of, uh, of Boy Scouts. You know, the motto of Boy Scouts is be prepared. And Boy Scouts, in order to be prepared, is teaching you all about learning skills. Skills so that in any situation where you might find yourself, survival, emergencies, you know, where you have to help or serve someone, you have this myriad of skills at your disposal to be able to succeed and, you know, serve others well or help yourself survive, you know, in any given situation. And, you know, so I, I really loved, especially in Boy Scouts, the survival-oriented training. It was it was more intense, I think, when I was a kid. Um, about the time that I left uh, or quit Boy Scouts was when they changed the, the manual, and they've since changed it again. Um, and, and it's become a lot more, um, I mean... The, Granted, there was a lot of liability, I think, when I was in Boy Scouts and we did a lot of overly adventurous, borderline dangerous things uh, with or without the consent of our Scoutmaster. And so I think that was a reason why, not just us, obviously, but that was probably, you know, we were moving into a generational place where people were paying more attention to danger and, you know, not letting their children just run off into the woods all day like I got to do as a kid. And so... um it got a little more muted and a little less adventurous for me. But um, I, when I was in it, I really loved like the survival training, being out in the woods, mapping, orienteering, uh, foraging for food, learning how to tie knots, build shelter, start a fire in creative different ways, like all the different survival skills about what you can eat and not eat out in the woods and, and all that stuff. So, uh, and I love still like watching those little videos and TikToks and reels and stuff on those things. So, um, what, what are those skills in the Christian life? And according to, um, to Peter in this passage, the skill that we really need to learn is the ability to give an explanation to anyone in any moment for the reason for our hope. We need to always be ready regardless of what the consequences might be. Like our survival training for eternal life is the good news and knowing how to share it. And this idea of always being ready, it, it, it also is communicating like this is not always going to be when it's convenient or comfortable or expected. You know, survival training is not so you can go out next week and be like, you know what, I'm just going to go survive today. Survival training is for when the emergency happens, when it's unexpected, unannounced, completely inconvenient, uncomfortable, 
so that you can adapt to the situation, at least have some skills to be able to help yourself. But it's never a cookie cutter right out of the manual experience. You know, they they train you for all of these things in a variety of different professions. I'm thinking particularly of like space flight. And, you know, you run through simulators left and right, but you need to be prepared for in the moment things not going as planned and being able to adapt and adjust your trajectory and use the training that you've been given to be able to survive because not everything is a textbook handbook experience. And the same thing is going to be true of sharing the gospel. Like Jesus is not just going to put people on our lap who are completely ready and convinced of the need to hear the gospel. They just need someone to say it. And no matter how badly we proclaim it, they're just going to 100% agree and ask no questions like that scenario is never going to happen, likely. This is always going to happen, especially in times when we're just like, we're not feeling up for it. We're sick, we're irritated, we're busy, we're in a hurry. You know, that, in at least in my experience, is when I find the most opportunities God sends me to just kind of slow down and be present and answer that calling to share the gospel with someone. And the, the same may be true for you. So part of always being ready is being prepared and learning the, the skills to be able to share in any situation. So what is the skill that we need? It is sharing the gospel, the good news. And what is that? Well, it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul tells us, he starts out, he says, now I'm reminding you brothers of the gospel I preached to you. So he's saying like, here's the gospel I preached to you. And he says, for I handed on to you a few verses later as a first importance, what I also received. And then it's a colon, and this is what he received. So this is the gospel that he preached, what he received, that, and he, he articulates in between there that this is what is saving you. Hold fast to this thing that I preached you. And he's reminding them what it was. So this is what I, what I also received and I passed on to you, the gospel message, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at once, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. After that, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born abnormally, he appeared to me. That's the gospel message, essentially that first part, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day, and he appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses. That's the gospel. That's the good news, that Jesus really lived. He really was a man. He claimed to be God. He died for our sins because we owed a debt we could not pay. So he came to pay a debt he did not owe on our behalf to restore us into right relationship with God. And he proved that he was God by rising from the dead and appearing to over 500 eyewitnesses at a time when you only needed two people to corroborate a testimony to prove something happened in a court of law. Jesus doesn't only double down on that, he multiplies it 250 times over by appearing to 500 eyewitnesses at once and so many other people, the 12 apostles, Cephas, to James, and then revealing himself to St. Paul. And so Paul is articulating here the central message of the gospel. But notice how he ends. He then adds his own testimony. Last of all, he appeared to me. So this is the gospel. This is the good news. That's what we need to share, the core message of Christianity. We need to be able to articulate that well. Another way of doing it that I've heard is uh, created, uh, captured, rescued, respond. Created, captured, rescued, respond. 
We were created by God out of love. We were captured by sin and turned away from him. We needed to be rescued, and so God came in the form of Jesus to die for our sins and rise on the third day. And he established a church for us to belong to, and so our job is to respond to that gift of salvation and to share it with the world. Created, captured, rescued, respond. So be able to articulate that gospel message to others in however way or method we can you know, easily memorize and remember to practice it. And then, once we've shared it, to be able to say, here's what that means to me. Here's how that has affected my life, just as St. Paul does. So, do you know your testimony? Do you know the story of what God has done in your life? Have you reflected on it? Can you identify that key moment where he intervened and changed you from one way of life to another? And a simple way of doing this, of articulating this, is something I call the four-sentence testimony. And the four sentences are, I used to be this way, then God did this, now I am this way, I tell you this because. I used to be this way. How were you before you encountered God? You don't need to get into the in gross or specific detail about sin, but just to be able to articulate, you know, I wasn't raised in the faith, I didn't really believe in God, I was living a life that I wasn't happy with, I was falling into sin, I was doing things that were destructive. You can be, speci- you can be general. But being able to articulate like something in your life was awry. You had this hunger, you had this yearning. And I know that's true because we all have it. And it, it doesn't have to have this radical kind of conversion story. It could just be like, I was raised in the faith, passed on to my parents, but, but I realized at one point that it wasn't mine. I needed to take it seriously for myself. <clears throat> so this doesn't mean you have to radically turn away from God completely, but there was a point where you didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus or a personal encounter with him yet. So talk about that, that phase of life you were in. And then the second sentence or movement of your testimony is articulating how God showed up in your life through a person, a conversation, a, an experience, an accident, uh, an experience of suffering and healing or a loss, um, a recognition like in, in my own story, um, God showed up in my life after the death of my best friend. Not that God caused it, but he used that as an avenue to speak to me, to help me recognize I'm still here and there's still purpose to my life. My friend's life's purpose was complete, but God used that to shake me out of this sinful life and very self-focused life I was living to help me recognize it was a greater purpose to my life. So I used to be this way, then God did this, maybe in an experience of prayer, on a retreat, at a talk, whatever it is. Now I'm this way. Now, when you talk about now you're this way, it's not to articulate I'm perfect now, but to show how God changed your life. You know, so what was what happened in the immediate aftermath of that experience? How did you turn away from sin? How did you uh, put away the old self, as Ephesians says, and put on the new self? What did that look like in your life? And do it in a way where you're not articulating or uh, inferring that you're perfect or you don't still struggle. Um, be able to communicate. I'm still learning. I'm still exploring. I still grapple with this or that, but I know that God is in my life. I know that he died for my sins. I know that I have a greater purpose. And now I'm not chasing after all of these fickle uh, experiences of the world or drowning my sorrows or my yearning in drugs or alcohol or uh, sex or experiences or whatever it might be. Now, how has that changed you? And then the fourth sentence is kind of optional because it kind of depends on the context. The fourth sentence is, I tell you this because. And you don't have to articulate it that way, but it's essentially an invitation. 
you know, you share your testimony and the fourth sentence should be, you know, an invitation to help to, for others to experience it for themselves, an invitation for them to come to mass with you, to come to a Bible study with you, to come to a small group study with you, to come, you know, find out more about this, to continue the conversation later. Um, I tell you this because uh, you seem like you're having a really bad day. And I just want you to know that God is with you and that he loves you and that whatever's going on in your life, he will bring healing and restoration in a way that you don't expect. You know, whatever it is, it could be someone you see in an elevator who's crying, you run into in a coffee shop who looks like they're having a terrible day, you know, to say like, look, you know, um, I don't know why, but I feel compelled to tell you like, you know, I used to feel really angry a lot too, or I used to feel really sad or like my life wasn't really going anywhere. And then I encountered Jesus and he did this incredible thing in my life. And now I don't feel that way anymore. Like I have a sense of purpose and, and I don't know if that's what's going on in your life today, but I just want you to know, like, I'm here for you and I'm going to be praying for you today. I'll pray for you right now if you're comfortable. Um, but I just especially want you to know how much God loves you and whatever's going on today, uh, God is with you and he's going to bring from it, even though it seems impossible, something really good and beautiful. You know, it seems very intimidating to do on paper. But when you kind of say it out loud and you imagine the ways you could get into and out of this conversation, the, uh, the, the multitude of different variables and open doors that could lead to this conversation, it really is not that intimidating. It just takes us stepping out in faith. And most people, most people will at least appreciate that we noticed and that we care and that we want to help. Some people might have anger toward religion, or they don't want to admit their hurt, their pain, or their trauma, and they'll respond in bitterness and anger, be like, get out here, you Jesus freak, or like, I don't need this, you know, like, mind your own business, whatever. Um, you know, what's the worst that can happen? They reject you. Okay, who cares? You're probably never going to see that person again. You know, at least you tried, and maybe that planted a seed. So maybe you leave them still with something positive. Just say, okay, that's okay, but I just hope you know that God loves you, and you have a wonderful day, and I hope this turns around. It was nice talking to you, and you leave, you know. Um, that at least could really compel them later on to be like, wow, like that person really went out of their way to help me. And I was just a jerk to them. Like, why am I like that? You know? So your testimony can really provide that opportunity for other people to encounter Jesus for the first time. And so the beautiful thing about a testimony is that no one can refute it. It's your story. And it's how your story connects to the ultimate story, which is the good news, which is our calling as disciples of Jesus Christ to share with any and everyone on the planet, to spread and defend the Catholic faith as disciples of Jesus Christ to everyone in the world, to go and pre preach to all nations and baptize. Like that was the great commission in Matthew 28, the last verses in Matthew. That is what we are all called to do. Paul, when he continues in 1 Corinthians talking about you know, he says, I'm, I'm least of the apostles in verse 9. I'm not even fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Notice this. He's getting into his personal story. This is how I was. I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me has not been ineffective. Okay, so God's grace impacted him. That's Then God did this. And then he'll say, now I am. Indeed, I have toiled harder than all of them. Not I, however, but the grace of God that is with me. Therefore, whatever it be, I or whether it be I or they, so we preach and so you believed. See, now I'm working harder than other people who are at this. And it's not because of me, it's because of how God is using me and putting me on this purpose. And so regardless of who it is, we continue to preach. And that's what brought you this belief. That's why I wanted to tell you this. 
That's Paul's testimony. Read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. It's the good news and an example of a testimony, very simply put in a very few verses. And so connecting back to our second reading for this Sunday, always be ready for anyone who asks of you a reason for your hope. Now, yes, this implies that people will ask us, but it doesn't prohibit us from initiating that conversation either. But especially when people ask, we need to be ready. And we also need to reflect on why would they ask in the first place? Well, there's got to be something different about the way that we live that compels them to ask. And so it says, always be ready to give to anyone who asks of you a reason or an explanation for the reason for your hope. Do people look to you as a person of hope? Someone who has a greater purpose, who's not... I mean, so many people, when you look out in the world, are living hopelessly. They look and act and suffer with depression. They're depressed. They're sad. They're bitter. They're resentful. There's this overall sense of like, things are bad and they're not getting any better. Things are worse. Previous generations messed it up for me. It's very self-focused, all about me, 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 and how it's not going the way that it should be going. And the perfect life is not falling in my lap. I mean, that's like the antithesis of hope. And so when we live our lives with radical kindness and generosity, when people see that regardless of whatever situation, we're willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel, to be kind, to take persecution on the chin and like not lash out in anger or retaliate, and to live joyfully, to treat other people with respect, to live with hope, people are going to look at us and be like, what is going on? Do you have some kind of like happy juice? Like, can I have some? Like, why are you so joyful all the time? Even when things aren't going well, how do you have all of this hope? Then they will be compelled to ask us. Paul, again, in that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, I just encourage you, go read that whole chapter. It's incredible. He says in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are the most pitiable people of all. Anchoring, anchoring the resurrection and how everything hinges on the resurrection with that virtue of hope. But saying, if it's only for this life we have hoped in Christ, then have pity on us. That's not what real hope is about. Hope is about eternal life. And so Paul, he does this perfectly. He shares the good news. He shares how it has affected him by sharing his personal testimony. And he anchors it in hope and not a hope just for good things in this life that our life will go well. It doesn't mean that suffering is going to go away, that things won't be difficult. No, anchoring it in the hope that is to come and the promise of eternal life that is available to all of us, everyone out there who's living so hopelessly. And you could be the key to those people experiencing the gift and the freedom of salvation being able to experience that hope again. What an empowering invitation that we have this week in the second reading. Don't see it as intimidating or something that you are disqualified from or that you can rely on priests and theologians to do. No, this is the calling of every single baptized Christian to go and spread the good news and defend the Catholic faith when it is misinterpreted or misrepresented. That is our job. And the way we do that, first and foremost, is we get really good at the basics. Can we articulate the gospel message that we were created, captured, rescued, and now we respond? Can we articulate our own testimony? I used to be this way, then God did this, now I'm this way, and I tell you this because. And can we do all of that 
with a lived testimony of being hopeful people who are kind and joyful and anchoring our message in hope so that others will be inspired to listen and respond as well. I pray that you can do that in the opportunities God brings before you this week. I pray that I can as well. Thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless you, and I will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.